Judges chapter 14. Now Samson's story starts actually in Judges chapter 13. In Judges chapter 13, that's where we find out his mom and dad, whose mom was having trouble having a child, she conceived and the angel told her exactly what this child was going to be like. And we'll look at that later on this morning. But the truth is it starts out in, verse, uh, in chapter 13, but we're going to pick it up in Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14, and I want to start there. I want to start there in verse 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore go get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Look at verse 2. I want to talk this morning, and I want to preach this morning on Samson's going to play with sin. Samson plays with sin. Starting up at verse 2, he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman. So Samson's looking at this woman. He's going along, evidently seen this woman, and when he sees her, he just falls completely in love with her. Don't know much about her. Doesn't, doesn't know what she's like or anything. He just looks at her. He sees how beautiful she is and falls in love with her. So Samson makes a mistake of only looking at the outward beauty and not the inward beauty of the heart. And that's a big mistake a lot of men make. A lot of young, young men are notorious about making that mistake. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22, it says, A jewel of gold and a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is, which is without discretion. There's so many beautiful women out there, but you see them, they're not very discreet, they're not very ladylike. And the Bible describes them like being a pig with a, with a jewel in their nose. This might get an amen. There's more, to, to, there's more than uh, outward looks that makes a woman beautiful. It's an inward. There's a beauty about a woman. There's a lot of Christian women I've met that maybe the world would say, a lot of Christian men, women I've met, the world would say that they weren't very beautiful. But when you get to know them, they're so beautiful, the Lord Jesus Christ working in them. And they have such a beautiful heart. It's hard not to see the beauty. They just glow. It's just a beauty. If you want to understand what I'm trying to say, just think about your dear beloved grandmother, a dear beloved uh, a, a mother that, you know, she was older, but man, she was so beautiful. Just her heart was so beautiful. I was, uh, heard a story about these two drunks. They were sitting around. They were talking, and, and one drunk said, uh, you want me to tell you what I got from my wife? And the other drunk says, yeah, tell me what you got from wife. He goes, well, I got from my wife a poodle. For my wife, I got a poodle. And the other drunk said, I wish somebody would exchange me a poodle for my wife. I'd love <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some wives like that. People would like to give a poodle away for them, yeah. So verse 3 goes on. He says to his dad, just like any teenage, because it sounds like he's kind of young here. He's to his mom and dad. He said, but they said, to him, they're trying to talk him out of him. Verse 3, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife, the uncircumcised Philistines? God had forbid them. In the law, God had forbid them from not marrying somebody who wasn't a Jew. And here's Samson going off trying to find a wife that's not a Jew. Now, see, this, you're going to find out a lot of bad stuff on Samson. And this starts it out right here. First and foremost, and his mom and dad are trying to talk some sense into him. They're saying, hey, listen, 
of all these women here, you can't find one of them there that you'd like. You want to go right down there to the Philistines, their enemy, by the way, and get a wife? What was his answer to that? Get, he gets, Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Not everything that's pleasing is good for you. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. That's what they do to you on TV. You turn on the TV and they show people drinking and man, they're playing volleyball. You got these beautiful, handsome men and beautiful women. They're playing volleyball on the beach and they got a Miller Lite and they're living it up and everything's great. They forget to show you that night or the next morning when they're around the commode just and they don't show the men where they had the big old pot bellies and everything to holding the beer. You know, they, they don't show those men on there. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But it always comes back to bite you. It always comes back to bite She pleaseth me well. Verse 4, But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. So the Lord is actually out to get the Philistines. And what, he's say, what this is saying is, verse 4 is not saying that the Lord wanted Samson to go marry a Philistine wife. But what it's showing you is that God has a permissive will. That whenever you, even when you're doing something wrong, God can use it for good. And Samson's going to do something that's not right, that God's not really, uh, God doesn't want me to do, but God's going to use it to do, for God to accomplish what God wants to do. And that's what that verse 4 is saying to you. But verse 5, let's see what happens here. Verse 5. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. Okay, let's stop there. Samson can't eat, as a Nazarite, Samson can't eat grapes, anything that's of a grape, raisin, any of that. He's not allowed to eat any of that. He's not allowed to be around a vineyard. He's not, I mean, he's not allowed to even eat anything of a vineyard. And you see there in verse 5, where do you find Samson? His father, he went down to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. Samson is going to start playing with sin right here. What's going on is Samson is starting to play with sin. Look at Judges chapter 13, verse 5. I'm going to show this to you. This is important to know about Samson. Because we're going to do a series of these sermons about Samson, so I want to give you some background on it. So Samson was, he was, he was a prophesied to be born. And in chapter 13, verse 5 of Judges, this is what the angel told his mom. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son... And no razor shall come on his head. There's that long hair you hear about. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So God says, I'm going to bring you a son. He's going to deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Now remember, the book of Judges is about, the whole book of Judges is about uh, Israel being under captivity or being fighting with these other nations, and then God would raise them up a judge like Gideon, and they, he would defeat them, and then they fall back into sin. And then God raises up another judge. Here's one like Samson, raises them up, and then they'll fall back into sin. So, but he says there in verse 5 that he's going to be a Nazarite. Well, the question is, what is a Nazarite? Turn to Numbers chapter 6, and, and we'll read it out of the Bible. And then we'll go back, and we won't turn anymore in the Bible. But look at Numbers chapter 6, and I'll show you. If you want to know what a Nazarite is, here's what a Nazarite is. Numbers chapter 6. Now, this isn't the same thing as a Nazarene, like Christ was a, was a man from Nazareth. This is not the same thing. This is a Nazarite. 
or Nazarene. Nazarene was a place, was a location, was like a county, we would call it a county today, where Jesus Christ was a Nazarene. This is a Nazarite, and this is what a Nazarite is. This is found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord. So this is the vow. He separates himself to the Lord. This is what he has to do in verse 3. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes. So you see, he's supposed to completely stay away from grapes, nor eat moist grapes, anything that's right off the vine, or dried. We call that a raisin. He's not allowed to eat anything that's a grape, not even a raisin. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. He's not allowed to eat anything, have anything to do with the vine tree. Why is that? Because more than likely a vine tree is what Eve ate off of. I know I'm not trying to shock you, but Eve more than likely didn't take the forbidden fruit. Probably wasn't an apple. More than likely, because the Bible don't say what it was. The only forbidden tree in the Bible is a vine tree. And this, here it is being forbidden right here. All the days, look at verse 5, all the days of the vow of his separation, there shall be no razor come upon his head. There's that long hair. Until the days be fulfilled in the which he separateth himself unto the Lord, he shall be holy. He shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. There's Samson's. All the days that he separated himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. That's verse 6. So you see, and he's not allowed to be around, eat any kind of grapes, eat anything of the grapevine. He's not allowed to cut his hair. He's supposed to have long hair. That's to show everybody that he's under a vow to God. And then finally, he's not supposed to be around any dead bodies. So go back to Judges chapter 14. Go back to Judges. That, all that I just read to you is important to know. That's why we read it. That's why we looked at it. It's very important to know. So Samson can't eat or drink anything of the vine. So look at verse 5 of chapter 14. Then went Samson down and his father's mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. What's he doing? Samson's playing with sin. He's not supposed to be, he can't have, there's nothing off the vineyard he can have. But there he is walking in the vineyards. Playing with sin. Guys, this is Samson playing with sin. He knows he can't have it, but he's got to go look at it. He's got to go be around it. He knows, you know, right now I'm under a vow, but maybe there's one day I'll be able to eat that grape off that vine. And when he's doing all that, behold, a young lion roared against him. A young, young, a young lion roared against him. I can't hardly speak this morning. That young lion represents Satan. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So this lion right here is going to represent the devil. And the devil shows up when you're walking around the vineyards. Don't be praying, Lord, lead me not in temptation, and then go down and hang out at the vineyards. <laughs> That's what Samson's doing. He's playing with sin. The Bible says... It says, abstain from all appearance of evil. That's found in 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Is there anything drinking wrong? There's nothing wrong with drinking water, amen? There's nothing wrong with this water. But when I take this water and pour it into an empty beer, like a Miller Lot, take a bottle of Miller Lot, pour it out, take this water and pour this water in the Miller Lot, I'm drinking that water, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But it's the appearance of evil. 
Samson can't eat or drink anything from the vineyard. What's he doing down there? He's playing with sin. He's playing with sin down at the vineyards. And behold, a young lion roared against him. Of course, that's Satan comes out. In verse 6, look what happens in verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, upon Samson. He rent him as he would have rent a kid. He had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or mother what he had done. So his father and mother are not around. He's down at the vineyards hanging out. His father and mother are not around because they would have told him not to be down there. He has a vow to God. He's not supposed to be down there. But he's down there and he's hanging around. All of a sudden this lion comes roaring at him. And here's Samson. And the Spirit of the Lord, I wish the Spirit of the Lord would come on me like this sometimes. The Spirit of the Lord comes on him, and he just takes that lion, and he says, come here. And it's kind of, and he just takes him, and he takes him by the mouth, and he just rips him, and I just, ah. <laughs> Man, there's times I wish the Spirit of the Lord would come on me when I'm down at Walmart, you know. <laughs> Seriously, just come, the Spirit of the Lord come down on me, and I, I take a bat, shopping basket, and I can just hit somebody, boom, and they go, flying over there, and just, boom, boom, you know, the Spirit of the Lord's on me. That's what he does here. And, and the lion's roaring at him. And that's what I love about Samson. He's not afraid of anything. If a lion roared at me, I'm out of the way. I'm gone. Samson says, come here, big boy. He don't have a sword on him. He don't have a knife on him. He just grabs him by his bare hands, and the Spirit of the Lord fills him. With, yeah! And he just rips him that strength that you know all about Samson having that strength. It's the Spirit of the Lord. See there in verse... Six, and the Spirit of the Lord, brothers and sisters, that, that same Spirit is in you today. And He'll give you the strength and the power to do whatever He wants you to do. And that lion represents Satan. And what that tells you is when you have the Spirit of the Lord, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. And you're able to do whatever you need to do with that Holy Spirit in you. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. And the devil doesn't like it, but that's tough. Because when you have the Spirit of the Lord, you can do whatever you want to do. If Samson had a sword right here, see it says he had nothing in his hand. See it says he had nothing in his hand. See if Samson had had a sword or a knife, you could have said, well, he was just a good swordsman, he was just a good knife. No. No man's going to take a lion and wrestle a lion and win, except for Samson. Well, Samson must have been a pretty special man. No, he had the Spirit of the Lord in him. See that verse 6? And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Brothers and sisters, you have that same spirit in you, but I'm not telling you to go down to the zoo and fight a lion. <laughs> and if you do something like that, if you decide, I've got the Spirit of the Lord, I'm going to go down and wrestle a lion, please call me. Please call me. I want to be down there when that lion just rips you in two for tempting the Lord. And if you do win, then I can say praise the Lord. And if you do get eat up, I can laugh at you. One of the way, one way or another. Either time, either way, it's going to be a good time. Amen. Either way, it's going to be a good time. But he told not his father and his mother what he had done. Why not? Don't you think you would have said something? Yeah, you would have said something, right? Amen. Yeah, I was down there, and this lion came out, and roared at me. I just ripped him in half, just like you do a kid, just like this a kid goat, like a little baby goat. I just ah. Yeah, he didn't say nothing. You know why? Because he knows he's not supposed to be down there. Another thing he knows is, did we not just read he's not supposed to be around any dead body? Uh-oh. <laughs> and there he is. So he might be confused about the vow. He's not guilty here. He has done nothing wrong here. Except for tempting himself. 
Like I said, don't be praying, Lord, lead me not in temptation, and then go down to the vineyards and hang out. The only sin he's done is he's playing with sin. He's just kind of dabbling in it. He's like, well, I know what I'm supposed to do and not do, but I'm just going to come here and hang out at the vineyards. And, you know, I know I'm not supposed to eat a grape. And, and then right about that time, who shows up? The devil. <laughs> Roar. Roaring. Look at verse 7. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. All right. He gets to meet his new wife-to-be. He talks to her in verse 7, and she pleased Samson well. I want you to remember that. <laughs> I want you to remember that the, ver the Bible says that Samson said, it was said, she pleased Samson well. I want, you, I want you to keep that in mind. Verse 8. And after a time, he returned to take her, because he's going to have a marriage feast. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Oh, he, now he's messing up. So after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. Now we know that the vow was, he's not supposed to be around any dead body. Now, when he slays that lion, it's not necessarily technically a dead body. He slays it because it come after him. It's roaring to come after him. And he takes it and kills it by the Spirit of the Lord. Well, that's good enough. There's nothing wrong with that. Now he goes and keeps it a secret from his mom and dad. But when he's going back, what's he do? Well, you know, I want to go back down there and check that lion I killed. So he turns aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. So when he gets down there, these bees are swarming. He sees honey in there. Brothers and sisters, there's a great spiritual truth about that. What you have going on in verse 8, there's a great spiritual truth about verse 8. And what that spiritual truth is, is when you get the victory over the devil, there's sweetness in it. When you get the victory over your sin, there's sweetness in it. It's very sweet. And some of y'all in here are fighting sin. Maybe big sins. I, I don't know y'all. Only the, It's between you and the Lord. Amen. And I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying as Christians, there's sins that we fight. We were just talking out on the porch of the church of a brother that... Me and another brother knows in the church, and he's saved, amen. He goes to church, he tries to do the right thing, but every other word out of his mouth is a cuss word. Well, he's not saved, he's going to hell. No, he's a, he's, he's a sinner, just like me and you, amen. And he's trying to, he's not, a very, he's not a very mature Christian, he's a babe in Christ, he's trying to grow in the Lord, and eventually he'll get that battle. And let me tell you something, when you win a victory over the devil, it's very, very sweet. There's honey there. There's honey in the carcass. You see that? There's honey in the carcass. But here's the problem with the flesh. It's found in verse 8 also. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. The problem with the flesh is when you get a victory over sin, when you get a victory over the devil, yes, it's very sweet, but the flesh wants to return to those victories. The flesh wants to keep going back and saying, man, I did a good job there. I did, look how good a job I did. Just like Samson, he turns aside. He wants to see the victory he had. And guys, you can't think about the past. This isn't just one war won. This war is not going to be won by just one battle. This is a long battle, brothers and sisters. And you need to, in the flesh, what you need to do is you need to say, I'm going to put that battle. I won that victory. I got the victory. But the battle still rages on. There's still a battle today. You might have beat sin yesterday, but there's sin to beat today. 
And there's going to be sin to fight tomorrow. And there's going to be sin to fight next month and the month following. And Lord willing, for the years following. The truth is that you're going to fight sin every day of your life. And if you stop and focus on, man, I did a pretty good job there, that's when the devil's going to get you. That's the flesh. And the bees and the honey and the carcass of the lion. So verse 9, and he took thereof in his hands and he went on eating. He went on eating. And came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat. And he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Now, verse 9, Samson breaks his vow right there. Number one, he's around a dead body. He breaks his vow, number one. He breaks his vow. Number two, it's a sin that he's eating honey out of a dead lion. I pick up dead deer for a living. What happens is they, a deer gets hit by a car or something, is dead on the side of the road, so the, 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 the animal control can't pick up a 200-pound deer, so they call us to pick it up with the boom truck. So I go over there with the crane truck. They don't call me the minute it gets hit, brothers and sisters. I wish I could tell you, yeah, the minute it gets hit, you know what they do is they go back, they eat their donuts, and drink their coffee, and then they get on their computer, and they... I'm going to send an email out to the sanitation department. They need to pick up this dead deer I found four days ago. So I'm at work. I, they get an email in, and the email gets put in as a work order. So five days go by. Here I am. I'm like, oh, there's a dead deer over in a certain, certain place. So I go over there, pull up there, and by that time, oh, it's delicious. <laughs> it's delicious. Lots of little living rice moving around there. Stinky. I've had guys try to quit on me. Uh, uh, you want me to get out of the truck? Yeah, yeah, I want you getting out of the truck. I need you to help me out here. Uh, I need you to move that deer over here. Uh, 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 come on, man. It's okay. I've been around it so much. I can get out. I can be eating a sandwich and grab that dead deer and just drag it over there. You know, Don't bother me one bit. But it stinks. Bad. He goes to this dead, stinking carcass and pulls honey out of it and starts eating it. He's breaking his vows. But what I'm trying to show you is he doesn't tell his parents that's where he got the honey. There's a, there's a running joke in the sanitation department. You come in a sanitation department, you see any kind of food on the table, you've got to ask where did it come from. What dumpster do y'all get that food out of? Is that Mrs. Baird's dumpster you got those Twinkies out of? Is that, is that, is that chips from Doritos, Frito-Lay dumpster you got those chips out of? Amen. I'm not, you think I'm jerking y'all's chain and making this stuff up? I'm not making none of this up. And if you knew where it come from, you wouldn't need it. The point is, <laughs> I had a brother I worked with. We were picking out this nasty, ratty house. They had been evicted. They threw all their food out. There's no telling how it had been out. He's over there. He looks down, and he sees a jar of peanut butter. He picks up this jar of peanut butter, and he looks at me, and he goes, Hey, it's still in date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see that. I'm operating the crane. I, yeah, I see that. It's still good. No, man, that's no, that's no No, man, look at all this peanut butter, dude. All this peanut butter, dude, is, it's all good, dude. I'm not exactly. That's how he talks. So this brother takes this, this armfuls of used peanut butter that were still in date. Been sitting out in the sun, no telling how long been sitting out in the sun. Takes it home. Starts bringing up peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to work. Starts offering them to other brothers at work. 
So I hated to be the one to bear bad news, but I'm saying, hey, you know he got that jar of peanut butter over there in a certain, certain house, you know, sitting out in the sun for like four days. Dude, there's nothing wrong with it, dude. You think his mom and dad would have been happy if they found out, you got this honey out of a dead lion? <laughs> what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say sin affects the whole family. Your sin, your sin, and I'm pointing at everybody, including me, your sin affects your whole family. Your whole family. Secret sins. A secret sin will affect the whole family. He told them not. He told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. It affects your whole family, these secret sins. And the Lord God says one day he's going to judge those secret sins. What is Samson trying to do here? Samson's trying to do here is when he's eating the, eating the honey, is honey good? Amen, it's good. Is honey good out of a dead line? No. Honey's not good out of a dead line. He's trying to get something good for something bad. Samson's trying to get something good out of something bad. You can't ever get something good out of something evil. The Jesuits, the Catholics, what we would call, I would call, Catholic uh, assassins. Now, I know they're not assassins, but back in the day, that's how they were created. The Jesuits, they had a famous saying, the ends, the end justifies the means. What that saying means is, the end is really good, isn't it? Yeah, we want people to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Okay, well, the means is, you've got to take them, you've got to put them on a torture rack, you've got to torture them. Until they accept him, and then, hey, the ends justify the means. The ends never justify the means, brothers and sisters. The Lord's never going to let you get away with that. You better be doing good to do good. You better not do evil to try to do good. Say, I'm going to rob, a, the church needs money, so I'm going to go rob a bank so the church can have money. That's that same type of thinking. And a lot of Christians would say, well, what's wrong with that? Verse 10, that's why you've got to have preachers preaching at you. Verse 10. So his father went down into the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young men to do. So at that time, they would make this long, big feast. And it came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. So 30 of his friends came along, the Philistines. But look at verse 12. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If you can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 chains of, ramets, of garments. Excuse me. But if you cannot declare it me, then shall you give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. So he says, I got a bet. I'm going to give you a riddle. If you win it, I'll give you 30 changes of garments. If I win it, I have to owe you 30 changes of garments. And here's what they said. And they said unto him, put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. Samson's going to start playing with sin. He's making a joke of sin. So we know that's a sin what's happened with Samson. He's hid it from his parents. He's trying to hide what he's doing. He's been down at the vineyard. He's, he, it's a sin. All the stuff to do with this line's a sin. So he's making a joke out of it. He's making a riddle out of it. The Bible says fools make a mock at sin. It's a, you're a fool to make a mock at sin. And that's what the world does, right? The world, when you turn on the TV, they're just making a mock of sin. It's sin to them. It's just something you make fun of. You laugh. It's no big deal. And fools do that. And, and that's where Samson's being foolish here. He's making a riddle out of it. He's going to make a joke out of it. You know, his own parents don't know about this lion, right? This lion that he's not told his parents about, that he, uh, he's going down and getting the honey out of the carcass, all this sin that's associated in his life, he's not ashamed of this sin. He's going to make a joke and a riddle out of it. You see where Samson's been playing with sin? 
Well, I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is we're going to find out what's going to happen. The bad news is his sin's going to find him out. And here we go. Verse 14. He said unto them, this is the riddle. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. So they couldn't figure that one out. I said, man, this was, that's a hard one. We can't figure it out. So what are they going to do? We're going to think really, really hard some more about it. No, what they're going to do is what most of us would do, is go and find out who they think knows about it and threaten them. <laughs> Verse 15. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Hey, entice thy husband that he may declare to us the riddle. Go find out what that riddle means. Lest we burn thee in thy father's house with fire. They go to Samson's wife-to-be and they say, Hey, listen, you tell us what the riddle is. You go find out from your husband what the riddle is or we're going to burn you up or we're going to burn your dad's house up. We're going to burn them all up. Have you, called us to that we, uh, have you called us to take that we have? Is it not so? Yes, so. That's what they're going to do. So verse 16, here's what happens to Samson. And Samson's wife wept before him. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Thou dost but hate me and lovest me not. I mean, is that a good interpretation of that verse right there? She's crying, oh, you, you, if you really loved me, you would tell me what this riddle means. Baby sugar plum, sugar snookums. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people, and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother. And shall I tell it to thee? So he's trying to fight back a little bit. You men, we know how it is. We try to fight back. When they're batting their eyes out of us and they're showing the tears, we're like, oh, no, it's okay. I'm not going to tell you. Verse 17, well, it don't last. And she wept before him the seven days. So she's been crying about this, trying to get him to tell her. The Bible says that uh, a wife can be like a continual dropping of water. Like a just a drip, 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 drip. You better fix it, you better fix it, you better fix it, you better fix it. Give me the riddle, give me the riddle. And she wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her because she lay sore upon him and she told the riddle to the children of her people. So he tells her, and guess what she does? She runs right over there to her friends, her, her, her Philistine friends, and she tells them. Verse 18, And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down. They wait to the very last, see it? They wait to the very last, and this is what they do. What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? Oh, they figured it out. What's well, Samson's answer to this? And he said unto them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you had not found out my riddle. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. If you had not been plowing with my heifer, you had not found out my riddle. Oh, what happened to, she pleaseth me very well. I love her. I want her. I got to have her. And all of a sudden, that swan has turned into a cow. Amen? She's a heifer. <laughs> you've, been, you've been plowing with my heifer. I love old Sam. Y'all might not like Samson. I love Samson. I see, a, I see my married life in this. Not, not my, I love you, sweetie. <laughs> if you had not plowed with my heifer, you had not found out my riddle. He's mad. He, he, gets, he gets mad. He says, run in his mouth. You know what the truth is here? Be sure your sin will find you out. Numbers 32, 23. 
Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. You know, that's what uh, Brother George used to quote to me all the time. He said, my dad used to tell me, Brother Keegan, be sure your sin will find you out. You know what, Brother Keegan? I said, what's that, Brother George? He was right. You know what else my dad used to tell me, Brother Keegan? I said, what's that, Brother George? He said, my dad used to tell me, love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. <laughs> my dad was right about that. Yes, sir, your dad was right about that. Continual dropping. Tick, tick, tick. Oh, please, honey, tell me the riddle, tell me the riddle. Be sure your sin will find you. Oh, I can trust her. Look how beautiful she is. I can tell her my inner secrets. I can tell her everything I've ever wanted to tell somebody, but I hadn't been able to tell somebody. I can tell her, and the next thing you know, she's on Facebook telling everybody. <laughs> you know, y'all know any ladies like that? I know some ladies that can, that can moo like a cow. My heifer. But look at verse 19 in closing. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30, 30 men of them and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house. What I like about this is they, they figure out the riddle. He's mad at them. He's mad at his wife. He's just terribly mad about it. So he says, well, I'm going to go down there to that other county down to Ashkelon, and I'll kill 30 men of them right there. He goes down there, and those guys are probably out there, you know, they might even be playing horseshoes or something like that, and here comes, who? that's a, look at that hippie coming up here, look at that hippie with that long hair, and that's silly looking hippie, and the hippie comes up there, rawr, and starts just tearing them all up, you know, kills them all. What happened to Uncle Joe? Uncle Joe got killed by this hippie for his clothes. He kills 30 of them. They didn't do nothing. It's these other guys. They're the ones that threatened to burn his wife's house. His wife should have trusted him, amen. His wife should have come to him and said, hey, they're threatening to burn me up if I don't, if I don't tell you the riddle. You know what Samson would have said? Well, baby, you know what? I, I ripped a line in half of my bare hands. I'll show you what I can do to them. And he went over there and he would have killed them. But he don't trust nobody. And she did the wrong thing by not trusting her husband. But when you think of Samson killing 30 innocent men to get their clothes, to pay off a debt, a sin debt, amen? That's evil. Verse 20, but Samson, Samson's wife was given to as a companion whom he had used as his friend. Look at that. He's using him. Samson was using him as a friend. He's probably using him because he was friends with that good-looking girl. He goes, man, that's a good-looking girl. And there's one of her friends. I'll just go be friends. I'll use him to get to her. And Samson just used people as friends. See that in verse 20? Whom he had used as his friend. Here's the great truth of this story. Now, that's not, I haven't said very much good about Samson here. But the truth is, this speaks to me and you in here this morning. Samson went down and he made somebody else pay his sin debt. Amen. He killed 30 men to pay his sin debt. Jesus Christ has to pay your sin debt. You got a debt of sin. And somebody's got to pay it and you can't pay it. And Jesus Christ pays it. So just like Samson, you, you, we're over here berating Samson saying, Well, Samson, man, he was sorry, no good, went down and killed those 30 men to pay off a debt because of his, some sin he was in. Jesus Christ had to do the same thing for you. And I'm thankful that he did. Because I'm just like Samson, I'm sorry, I'm no good. I can be fooled, I can play with sin, just like Samson did here. 
But in the end, Jesus Christ will save you. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.